Welcome to the Eden Gathering Podcast. It's good to be here again, isn't it? Are you happy to be here, the person, whoever you are, listening to my voice? Are you happy to be here? I can't hear you. Are you happy to be here? Yes. Well, thank you for joining us. I have a special guest. I always have a special guest, but today is extra special because I have with me today Mr. Neil Sargent. How are you? Hi, Ben. I'm really well. Thank you very good. much. Now, Neil, you are the parent of one of our previous guests. Yes. Did you listen to that? Yes. What did you think? How did she do? I thought she did really well. This is Eliza, your daughter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm always astonished um, to hear uh, any of my children um, being adults. Um, and I think, I <laughs> well, think she's talking about like having a proper job, like being a teacher. <laughs> yeah, and absolutely that. And just being grown up and having grown up conversation and nothing gives me more pleasure but um, yeah, I, I love it. How many kids do you have? I have three. Three kids. Which is your favourite? Uh, they are all my favourite. <laughs> no, but seriously, like hearing you talk like that, what what has your favourite stage been with your children? Like, do you are you like a baby man? Do you like, or have you enjoyed now that they've got older and? Yeah, I know what was my unfavorite, God. which is when they were tiny, helpless babies yeah, yeah. that just um, scream, yeah, and poo, uh, and, and do feed. all of those, yeah. and vomit, and yeah, yeah. Uh, all, all, the, all the rest of it. And you, it takes a little while before you start to get anything back. So I think for me, I love that sort of uh, preschool toddler age, so sort of two to four. I okay. think he's probably so that's what I'm in at the moment with JJ at least. Yeah. And are you enjoying it? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's definitely that getting something back. Yeah. I love, but I think that is because I'm an incredibly needy person. So <laughs> like when they're a baby and you're like, I love you. And they're like, no, oh, the office phone's going. That's not happened before on a podcast. Yeah, so I think I'm an incredibly needy person. So the fact that when you say to a baby, I love you. Yeah. And you get nothing back. But if... um. So now I say to JJ, like, he's free, and I'm like, I love you. And he's like, I love you millions. And I'm like, I love you more. Yeah. Um, and he's like, I love you the most. And it's great. Yeah. And like, yeah. I like the other day, literally last week, we did that and we go around it for ages because I just need the affirmation so much. Great. And he's like, I love you so much. And I'm like, I love you even more. And he's like, I love you the most. And I was like, no, JJ, I love you the most. He goes, okay, leave now. <laughs> <laughs> But I love that. Yeah, but it's great. And that developing sense of humour is fun and a (laughs) sense of fun. And they're not quite been um, polluted by the outside world at that age either. Yeah. Uh, So once they go to school, it starts to change. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So talk to us. I think people are really going to enjoy this episode. One, because of who you are. You're an incredible guy. You're very kind. Two, you've got such a good voice. (laughs) Do you realise that? Uh, People be listening to this be like, Oh, do you know what we should do? Actually, we should get Neil to like do a bedtime story yeah. one time, like just read that into the mic. I think, I think that, that is really... one of my specialist subjects: reading bedtime stories. Really? Yeah, I love is that it. what you do? Yeah, though? no, I love it. I yeah. love it. Um, but uh, yeah, well, thanks for the compliment. Well, and uh, I don't like listening to my own voice, but other people seem not yeah, to mind listening to it. Yeah, you've got a great voice. So you got a great cool, voice, isn't it? So um, talk to us a bit about um, your upbringing. 
talk to us a bit about where you're from. Who who is Neil Sargent briefly? Neil Sargent is a uh, Felixstowe boy. Oh, so I was actually born in Ipswich, but um, my family, my parents lived in Felixstowe. I was the first child to turn up, and um, yeah, I was. Brought up in Felixstowe, went to school in Felixstowe. So you're the eldest of? I'm the eldest of two. Yeah, I, so you got a sister. Yeah, sadly I had a sister mm. rather than have a sister. She passed away four years ago. But mm. uh, yeah, there were the two of us. But um, you grew up quite Two of us you, and two of them. Were you quite close? Or? We're, um, we're two years apart and I would say we were probably... Um, probably closer growing up than we were later in mm. life, um, partly because she went to live on the other side of the world um, yeah. and partly just that lives um, lives diverge a little bit. Yeah. Um, but- and um, growing up in your house, was that like faith bait? Was there a lot of... Um, no, um, dragged along so, to church or no? I was sent to Sunday school, but okay. I think that was so that my parents could have an afternoon off. Yeah, um, yeah. and there was a lady opposite us um, who went to the church and was a Sunday school teacher, um, and so she would pick us up and walk us along the road to church, and oh, then walk us back again later. My parents had a couple of hours without me in the house, and later without me or my sister in in the house. So that was it. They were always sympathetic. Um, but um, we weren't a church-going family. Yeah. So um, when did all that sort of come in for you? When um, did that? I think from going to Sunday school, then there were uh, there was a midweek kids club, so I went to that, and then that became um, a midweek youth club at the church, which mm-hmm. I went to and um, got into uh, friendships with people who uh, had a Christian faith, uh, and through that, started to attend church started to listen started to think about things and over over my teen years really mm. i just moved from a point where looking back i would say i didn't have a personal faith in jesus to a point where i look back and say oh yeah i did but i'd be really hard pressed to put a date on it it happened very That's gradually. interesting isn't it that like it's normally almost the opposite, isn't it? Is that you start in church, then teenage years, like you drift away a yeah. bit and then like you come back a bit later in life. But it kind of sounds like you grew into faith. Yeah, um, but don't you think that's sort of the power of friendship? It only took a yeah. couple of friends who um, who had faith, were really committed, were really nice people and yeah. who uh, got on well with. And so they were my friendship group and you end up, yeah, absolutely. Doing what they do as much as yeah. they end up doing what you do. Yeah. Um, and so what then? Did you go that, to university or anything? Yeah, or? I went to university. I went all the way to Norwich um, <laughs> oh, wow. and went to the University of East Anglia. We, we um, represent? Sorry? I don't know. It's just oh. I feel like there'll be people listening like, I don't know, they always cheer when their uni's like... Oh, uh, yeah. There's like, there's a few there's a few UEA graduates in and around. I, I went um, to UEA on a stag do. <laughs> It's Twice. probably probably somewhat similar to my experience. Oh, I was really? there for three years. <laughs> was it a bit like that? Was it? No, it wasn't actually. Well, it was. It, no, it wasn't. No, it, I mean, yes, of course, there were moments. Um, mm. I really enjoyed being a student, um, and was sad when it came to an end. Yeah. Um, I, what three, did you study? Three really good years. Um, I studied geography and economics, but all rooted in um, third world countries. Okay. So it was called development studies. Um, and uh, it was, um, it's not what I originally went to study. I went to study economics uh, and then found it all a little bit 
theoretical right. and they said oh we'll go and talk to these guys because they make it very practical um and i think i didn't know myself well enough to know that that was more how i was wired but yeah. hey that's more how i was wired so the fact that it was all rooted in real examples and doing real stuff just made yeah because that sounds more like sensible. a bit more of um a churchy degree doesn't it almost um yeah more involves the more compassionate side of the brain and uh, yeah. Um, or was it very... Uh... That said, um, so I, I would say of the the two members of faculty who had the biggest impact on me, one was an out-and-out Christian um, yeah. and really had that view of the world. The other one was an out-and-out um, communist humanist right. and was very intolerant of um, any kind of any kind of faith uh, and thought it all came down to what humans did or didn't do to each other with each other. Interesting. Um, so where did that leave so that you then? Challenging. How, how did you follow your faith um, through university? Yeah, interesting. I found I found this guy's name was Ken, the communist guy. and he Communist was, Ken, I know. Communist Ken. He was very, very persuasive and quite oh, really? charismatic. Um, and I think it really made me question my faith mm. um and could his his view of uh, could his view of the world really be right um and uh, it took me a while uh and some a while and some good conversations with good friends really to come through that and see that actually there were flaws in as i felt in his argument um that mm. i meant i couldn't buy into it and that actually ended up i think reinforcing um my faith did you settle in church through that time or yeah yeah i was a good brought up as a good baptist um and didn't actually didn't go i went to an, a non-denominational church in well, when you, at the you time. always say that you was brought up a good baptist yeah i don't think i really know what that means don't you know what a good baptist is you're you. looking at one <laughs> it's you what does yeah. that mean so I think what I think what it means in the context of Suffolk um, is a group of people who are absolutely convinced that they've got it right, and that <laughs> other expressions of um, of Christianity and faith right. um, are all well and good, but they're not they're as not right Baptist. as ours. Okay. Um, and uh, it was a real eye opener for me to go and find people who had a much greater fashion passion for um for jesus and for their faith and for actually sharing that with other people um who came from other um other denominations is that a little more charismatic than your uni yeah it was the more charismatic end um house churches were were all the rage back in the 1890s when i was a student um and uh so they were they were they were very popular, um, a bit like sort of community churches would be today, yeah. I suppose. Um, they were the places to go. I went to a more traditional church, um, but there was a group of us, group of students went there and the people who went there went out of their way to um, to make us welcome. So yeah. it was a good place to go to get a Sunday lunch or <laughs> something nice. like that. So that was good. So what did you end up um, doing when you left uni? What did you want to do? <sighs> So I didn't know what I wanted to do. That's a pain, um, isn't it? And is that why everyone goes to university? It's they not don't why know everyone what goes do. to university, <laughs> but I think people who don't know what they want to do, cert certainly, as I say, back in the 1890s when when I was a boy, um, <laughs> if you didn't know what to do, you were well, the answer is stay in education as yeah. long as you can um, and then decide. Get yourself um, into loads of debt. And yeah. 
So I, um, the, the, the guy on faculty who was a Christian um, worked part-time for the uni, part-time for the government, yeah. and he wanted me to get involved in um, development, spending time in Africa and uh, um, working out there. Um, I had a girlfriend by then who was less keen on that idea, <laughs> and actually I was less keen on it yeah. too um, because it felt like... I might have to spend a lot of time in Africa and I didn't, wasn't sure I fancied that. Yeah. Um, so um, I was, in the end, the nightmare that turns up for the first time at the uni careers office yeah. after finals and says, okay, I've sat me finals, now I need a job. Yeah. Um, so the woman spent half an hour telling me I should have been in contact for at least a year by Great, now and really should helpful. have done this and should have done that. <laughs> and then she said, but while you're here, you might as well, uh, you might as well fill this in. Um, so I filled in sort of like an aptitude test. Um, oh, yeah. And I think I accidentally ticked the box that said I was okay with numbers. And <laughs> so it suggested that I either go into retail management or become an accountant. Um, and so I was dwelling on that. And crossing uh, crossing the road outside the library in Felixstowe when I was nearly killed by one of my former teachers um, riding a bike. Really? Um, and uh, no, I wasn't really nearly killed, <laughs> but he did nearly cycle into me. And um, when he'd finished apologising, he realised who it was and said, so what are you going to do with your life, Sergeant? Um, and I explained the same story to him and said, it's either accountancy or retail management. Management, And he looked at me dead in the eye and said, you never see a retail manager over 30 and cycled off into the distance. Oh, really? Yeah. So I thought, okay, I better do accountancy then. And so uh, I did. But that wasn't some, was that something that um, for you was just the next thing or was that it was that what was the goal what was the like were you happy to then pursue that or were you like you, i just think often like especially people more my age and younger than me um maybe the listeners of this podcast we're all waiting and um, for that one big calling that one um big moment but i'm always advocating just get out and do something and you'll figure out what it is that you'll want to do or that you're good at. Um, that's definitely my experience, but yeah, I don't know if that was yours as well by just doing the next thing you found out your what your calling was, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I'd been encouraged to expect some sort of calling and that it would probably be to some sort of full-time Christian work. Right. Um, and it never came. And so I did do something that I thought I would be reasonably good at. I always fancied getting into business and mm. being an accountant seemed like a good way of doing that. Um, and so I did, and the call never came. And I think I've sort of realised that I'm sure God does call people, but I don't think mm. I don't think he calls everyone and I don't think he even calls in that sort of really assured sense the majority of people. I think most people, as you say, find their way by doing the next thing. Yeah, no, yeah. And if that works out, that's fine. Carry on doing more of it. Yeah. If it energizes you if you enjoy doing it, do some more of it. Mm. If it doesn't, um yeah. do something else. So fast forward then, that's really helpful, thank you. Um, fast forward then, you ended up 
um, going into this accountancy yeah. thing. You ended up in London, didn't you? Yeah, I ended up all over the place actually. So I um, I worked I worked for a company in Ipswich. That's where I started my career. So that was great. Twenty five minute commute each way. Uh, then I got a job um, in um, towards the Norfolk Suffolk border. That was a longer commute, and that's why we ended up moving out of Felixstowe. Right. Um, and then Cambridge, and then from Cambridge, the South Coast near Hastings, and then from did Hastings, you move out that way? We nearly did. Um, so what you were going to Hastings? Yeah, I um, I got I got the job um, in Hastings. Uh, we put our house on the market and we're looking at houses, and we've been down looking at houses. It's a lovely part of the world. Um, right? Yeah, it's really nice, and we're very happy to think of moving there. We'd got, you know, Rebecca was a baby. Probably mm. Lydia was a baby, and Rebecca was a toddler. Um, so those are my two oldest children, um, and. Uh, so, you know, school seemed as if they'd be all right down there. Mm. Um, but while I was – so I was moving to a competitor. Um, so I'd finished at Cambridge and they'd put me on garden leave for two months. Uh, and so I hadn't started at the company in Hastings. And then the lady who ran the company in Hastings phoned me up to say that they'd been taken over by another company. And I shouldn't worry because there was a job for me, it's just that it probably wouldn't be in Hastings long term and that the new company would want me to work in Bracknell. Um, Okay. And so we decided, okay, we won't move to Kent then. Yeah. (laughs) Or Sussex. Um, And um, stayed in Suffolk. And then, uh, yeah, that's what happened. I did six months in Hastings and then moved to... Moved to work in Bracknell, um, but had a role where I started to travel, um, and it was just a difficult decision for us um, as a as a family. Mm. Did we want to um, did we want to move down to Bracknell um, and would um, have to stop work mm. um, if we did that, and also um, she'd lose her support network. So yeah. we had family, she had friends, we had friends, uh, in Suffolk who were, which was kind of comforting to me. So if I was traveling away, um, I knew if Anne was in trouble, um, yeah. there were plenty of people she could turn so to. How, how did that all that. work at the time then? Cause, um, it's no easy thing. Um, like we're, we're get rushing through it, but, You've got two young kids at home. Yeah. You've got an incredible wife. Amazing. We love Anne. Yeah. And um, you're getting these jobs and that can send you anywhere. Yeah. Um, Anne's obviously um, at home with the two kids, but also, like, was she at work then as well? Yeah, she worked three days a week, two days a week, two days a week. So how are you juggling all of that? How are you coping? How are you... Um, I think it's, I think if we look back uh, and, and it was our experience at the time, um, blimey, it's just really hard. (laughs) So there's always something to do and it's really, um, really energy consuming and you're having to make decisions all the time on the fly. Um, and I think we just did okay as it turned out with some of the big decisions that we made. Um, so I think when you get married, you don't expect to spend part of your week not living with who you get married to. Yeah. But we decided that that was a better option okay. than moving the kids' school and losing yeah. the support network. 
And that was essentially, I mean, it's not like we suddenly had the great thought and then did it, but over time it dawned on us, this is what we're doing and actually we're making it work and it's probably it's probably the best thing for us and our family um, is for the family to stay put and me to do the traveling. Yeah. Um, and so that's what was that a difficult decision to come to or um, did it just kind of I think, practically work? I think just the way we tend to work, it wasn't so much a difficult decision as a, a thousand slightly less difficult decisions that added up to that right, decision. Yeah, yeah. So sort of a direction of travel. Mm. Well, we'll see how that works for the time being. Um, and when it did work, then we kind of stuck with it. Yeah. And yeah, I went from Bracknell to North Carolina um, and Edinburgh and York and London and then West London. So I worked all over the place, lived in all sorts of places. And, uh, so what, you were travelling to America? Yeah, I had one Whilst role. the family were in the UK? I got, um, I got, I got tired of finance. Um, yeah, that doesn't uh, surprise me. <laughs> I get tired of finance, and I have to do one expense report a month. Yeah, <laughs> um, the company I was working for was um, was a big um, was a, a public publicly quoted American company. Mm. So every quarter, every month, we had to produce sort of a full set of numbers Mm. Um, and once a quarter there were calls with analysts and all the Mm. rest and we had to explain what we were doing the pressure was always that this quarter needed to be a little bit better than last quarter Um, and you no sooner finished one month than you had to start the next one and you no sooner finished one quarter than you were on for the next one and that just got a bit tiring and I got given an opportunity actually I asked for an opportunity and then got given it to run a big project to put a new um a new system in um and um they um yeah they were gracious enough to give me a go at it um, so you went over there so uh but it was a role that should have been based in the states mm. um but they were happy for me to be in the states one week in three and then for the other two weeks to be at home that's crazy so, i just can't imagine doing that with two Young kids. At yeah, I was three by then. Um, yeah, yeah. No, it, it it was. So I think the plus was um, I was always at home on a Friday, so I always did the school run on a Friday. Yeah, um, and we learnt to work really hard to make our weekends weekends. Yeah. Um, so jobs had to be done um, a little bit at weekends, but there always needed to be time on Saturday to do a family activity, and on Sunday. Um, we did church because it was important to us and mm. because we wanted the kids to have um, friends for whom um, faith wasn't something weird um, uh, but we didn't want we didn't want church to um, to take over so we we sort of set boundaries around that so that okay. we always had time to do stuff as a family yeah. on both days of the week so you just really clearly defined about what was what um work ends at this yeah. and then family time yeah and the advantage of working away some of the time is no one is waiting at home with your dinner um you'll never be late home him, if offering to home. feed it to yeah. the dog yeah, yeah. Um, so i used to work i used to work long days when i yeah. was away and the under yeah it was the contract was the deal was um that if i was working at home i'd work five or six hours at home and I would go and get the kids from school and stuff yeah. like that and uh, I didn't work weekends there's always exceptions to that but they, yeah yeah but then you you spent a bit more time in London right 
yeah my understanding yeah and then kind of worked your way up there right uh yeah so i changed i changed jobs um i worked um i had a really nice lifestyle at one point well I, yeah i might want to take that back um <laughs> but I, I really i had a really nice work lifestyle yeah. where um i was based in york um but had to be in london at least two days a week because that's nice. where the organization was yeah. where, where all the important people yeah, were yeah um so that was great because when I wasn't in York, they assumed I was in London. And when I wasn't in London, they assumed I was in York. So I could have uh... been anywhere. <laughs> because being the sort of person I, I, I am, I was usually in one or the other. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, so I enjoyed um, sort of the, I enjoyed working in London. I loved working in London and I enjoyed um, the commute, but I was never doing it more than three days a week. Yeah. Um, and five days a week on the, uh, Stowe Market to London <laughs> train might have become a bit wearing. So how did all of that, all of that lot that we just heard, how have you wound up here at the Forge? Yes, um, that's interesting. Um, it's interesting for me anyway. We'll see if it's interesting <laughs> to anybody else. Uh, They'll soon tell us. There'll be a Twitter storm. So if the... Um, if the challenge with the finance job is it's relentless, mm. sort of one month after another, one quarter after another, one yeah. year after another, the challenge with doing project work, which is what I went into, is that projects start, have a middle, and then they finish. Yeah. And for a few times, I was lucky enough when one project ended to find another one, either with the same employer or with a different one. Yeah. And then project I was working on for... Um, GlaxoSmithKline, the um, pharma company, um, came to an end early. Uh, and the opportunities that they'd talked to me about, um, one was in Scotland. And one of the promises I made to Anne was that um, we might move as a family, but we'd never move north. <laughs> Uh, so that funny. was out and the other one was a bit more speculative but would probably have been based in the Middle East um, mm. and I didn't fancy it um, no. I didn't fancy working how old were you at this East. point sorry if that's right to ask but I think it's important for people 54, 55 yeah. um, and, and we were at an age where I think Eliza was still at uni Lydia had probably finished uni or was about to Bex was already out in the in the world so it felt like our financial commitment to our children was coming to an end. And mm. we'd been saying and praying about um, maybe this is a time or maybe there's a time in our life coming where we could do something as a day job that we feel a bit more passionate about. Because mm. I think it had always been the case for both of us that we enjoyed our jobs. What we were passionate about was what we did at the weekend and church was part of that. Um, and so this project came to an end in a, in a slightly unpleasant way. Um, so it wasn't a nice atmosphere or anything. Mm. Um, and my reaction was, right, I need to get out with the recruiters. I need to get another job. Yeah. And Anne said, maybe this is an answer to that prayer. Interesting. And yeah. I said, it can't be because that our prayer is going to be answered in four years' time <laughs> when, when Eliza's when I finished say, uni. Yeah. Um, and she gently pointed out to me that um, God probably knows best um, yeah. and may have different ideas. Um, wow. So actually, I spent a year um, just enjoying not working uh, and being right. <laughs> involved in not very much. I replaced all the inside doors in the house. 
um, and did a few sort of big projects that yeah. I would never have got done on a sequence of Saturday yeah. mornings. Um, and How do you put it. that on your CV? You changed all the inside doors. <laughs> yeah, I might do. I don't know if it's something I'd want to do for someone else and don't look too closely at the hinges on a couple of them. But actually, <laughs> they've stood the test of time. Yeah, They're yeah. still there. They're still there uh, and they still work. Um, yeah, so and in that time, um, Steve Fenning got to find out that I was not gainfully employed. And so um, we mm. spent some time together. He started asking me to help with a couple of projects, uh, which I did. And that resulted in him um, offering me a position on the staff team. Wow. So here I am. And here you are. Here I am. And um, did that feel like a big leap of faith to stop everything at that time? Uh, Did you sense God, like in that? Obviously, Anne yeah, being so wiser than you. Definitely sense God <laughs> in that, and definitely um, got a lot of satisfaction from uh, the fact that uh, I realised that over my working life, I had picked up quite a lot of knowledge, quite a lot of experience, and a few skills, um, and I could use those in the context of the church. Um, in a very natural sort of way, mm. um, and that felt really um, that felt really rewarding. Yeah. Um, so I love that. Uh, yeah. But you're keeping you're keeping a busy boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I suppose I would always. What are some of the other bits you do as well? Um, don't be don't be too humble here. Ah. Uh, well, for, so for the first few years after that, um, I did two days for the church and two days at the mix in Stowmarket. Mm. I love both. Uh, wanted to do more at the church. Couldn't do that while I was still at the mix. So dropped the mix uh, a couple of years ago and did three days at the church. And that left a spare day because we had become grandparents in that wow. time. And so we have the opportunity to um, spend a day a week together and me with Zach, our grandson, which is brilliant. Um, but yeah, I've also, I, I probably, I, I think it's almost inevitable. Um, I, when, when that sort of full-time work and being away uh, part of my life finished, I took things on in the order that they came to me. Right, yeah. Uh, so I now find myself doing some things that uh, I love doing and which energise me and seem really rewarding. And mostly working at the Forge fits in that box. Um, but I've also got a few <laughs> I was little... say, if it's not, this is going to be the, not the right place or time to tell me. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm definitely not going to do that. I, uh, I love it. I love the people. Um, uh, the team is uh, the team is great, and they're mostly well. Actually, they are entirely younger than me, um, but <laughs> some are more younger than me than others, um, or younger than me by a bigger amount than others. Um, I've got a few little bookkeeping jobs I do, and I'm on the audit and risk committee at the University of Suffolk, and I'm a governor at Debenham High School, and yeah. you got a, a lot going things. on. So there's a lot going on, and I've really been challenged over the last six months about um being overcommitted um, oh, really? and looking to be um looking to be a bit more discriminating now mm. and to to lay some things down so what I did was, a lot. What, sorry no sorry. i don't need to apologize what, what was it like um cuz i think it's easy just hearing about the whirlwind of your life 
to think that um Anne's like just this stay at home mum <laughs> um with you know yeah, making sure the, the kids are okay. Yeah, but yeah. man, like she's still going for it. She's got like an amazing career and um yeah. what was it like when you finally kind of got to breathe as husband and wife and all of a sudden you were living with each other seven days a week and um you I don't know if the kids the kids probably at uni aren't they but um you haven't got a house full of women but um no occasionally um what was that dynamic was there quite a shift there or yeah so it's a bit of a shift but actually um it's that that bit of it has been a real plus so it's just been nice to you know um sleep in my own bed with my own wife yeah um most as opposed nights, to someone else's wife most nights as opposed to someone else's <laughs> wife in someone else's bed uh yeah move on let's not go there uh the uh, so there are little things so who is the king or queen of the kitchen has become Ooh, more of an issue so Anne that is always the- was Anne, but Anne. um you know she has some she has some terrible habits with tea towels. Um, ah, and I try really? and correct those. Go on. There's just a bit of there's <laughs> just a bit of tension there. Oh dear. Sometimes. Okay. Um, and apparently I'm indiscriminate with dirty socks and where I leave them. I you've got going, a thing about socks. Don't I hate, you socks. hate socks. I absolutely hate socks. Why, what is I wear this? them only for hygiene and heat. Um, but the actual feeling of having something on your feet and round your ankles, I hate it. You should have moved to Hastings and lived. Yeah, I should have moved to New Zealand because no one wears socks in New Zealand. That's true. So, Um, well, Neil, thanks so much for giving us a snapshot (laughs) of who you are and what you've done. And I think you're incredibly generous of what you do and who you are. And um, definitely love having you here. And um, thanks for all that you do for each and every one of us as well. And I know Alex will echo that, won't you, Alex? Nods. Alex has nodded. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much. And you've taught me today what a gazelle is. Is that what An albatross. Oh, poo. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) that was my interview with Neil. Thank you for listening. And it's time to play the music. 